0: Welcome to the Breathe Easy Critical Perspective Podcast. My name is Dominique Pepper, and in this podcast, we interview leaders and experts in critical care. And for today, we go to Denmark to discuss improving outcomes in in hospital cardiac arrest.
1: Uh, my name is Lars Andersen. I'm a doctor from Aarhus University Hospital in Denmark, where I work in anesthesiology and critical care. I'm also an associate professor there.
0: An absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast, uh, Lars. Uh, you and your group have been putting out some really phenomenal work, and today we'll be discussing uh, your article that was released uh, online uh, by JAMA on September the 29th. The article was entitled "The Effects of Vasopressin and Methylprednisolone. Alone." Versus placebo on return of spontaneous circulation in patients with in-hospital cardiac arrest, and you all performed a randomised clinical trial. So maybe you could go ahead and just give us uh, what was your motivation or rationale for doing this RCT? Why did you think that vasopressin combined with methylprednisolone would improve uh, return of spontaneous circulation?
1: Yeah, thanks for that question. So. To start from the scratch, I, I really felt like um, that in-hospital cardiac arrest in some ways have been an overlooked uh, condition. Um, for cardiac arrest in general, there's not that much evidence uh, to support the things we do, but for in-hospital cardiac arrest, it's even worse. There are very few randomized clinical trials in this patient population, so I do think it's uh, it's a patient population that deserves uh, some more attention. Uh, there is approximately 300,000 in hospital cardiac arrest each year in the United States, uh, and about 70 to 75 percent of those patients actually die. So it's a fairly common disease with a very high mortality rate. So the question why we used vasopressin and met- methylprednisolone, or why we tested this combination, is actually quite simple in the sense that. In 2009 and 2013, two studies were published by a Greek uh, group led by Spius Mithilopoulos. Uh, they conducted two smaller randomized clinical trials. The first one was a single-center study, and then the second one, they had three centers. Uh, and they tested this combination of vasopressin and methylprednisolone for in-hospital cardiac arrest and found some uh, quite uh, favorable results with improved outcomes in the intervention group. Vasopressin is a vasoconstrictor and it has been uh, examined in cardiac arrest before but primarily in the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest setting where time to drug delivery can be quite uh, late. And um, so there might be a rationale for testing it in the in-hospital cardiac arrest setting instead where the timing is uh, much sooner. Methylprenypsilone as most people know has uh, many different uh, functions um, and It might also have some important uh, benefits in the setting of cardiac arrest. It might even have a synergistic effect with vasopressin perhaps increasing the vasoconstrictor effect of both vasopressin but also uh, adrenaline, for example. And then, of course, it has some effects on inflammation uh, and other things that could be beneficial more in the post-cardiac arrest uh, phase. So basically, the main rationale was because we wanted to try to validate the findings from the two Greek studies. Although the two Greek studies were quite well performed, uh, they were fairly small, and they were only performed in a few centers. So both American and European guidelines have not recommended this combination based on those two trials, and the uh, guidelines are actually explicitly asking for additional trials. So that was the background for why we wanted to test this combination.
0: Yeah, that's a great overview. So maybe you could just explain to us why you chose uh, return of spontaneous circulation as your primary outcome. Obviously that was uh, the outcome in the previous studies, but some may argue that um, ROSC isn't a good endpoint, that they would prefer uh, mortality or neurologic outcomes. What would your response to that be? <laughs> Well, so first of all,
1: I would also prefer uh, something like favorable neurological outcome at 30 days or 90 days. So I think the main reason was uh, twofold. First, it was a pragmatic choice. Um, this was the first uh, trial of its kind in Denmark, and we thought it would not be realistic to include thousands of patients for two reasons. First, uh, because, as I said, it was the first trial and we needed to figure out whether we could perform this type of trial. And second, because Denmark is not that large of a country, so it would be quite difficult to get a lot of patients. Unfortunately, if you want to power a trial to something like favorable neurological outcome at 30 or 90 days, it would require quite a lot of patients, uh, perhaps in the order of 2,000 to 5,000 patients, for what I would consider a realistic treatment effect. So we didn't think that was feasible at this stage. I think the other thing was that I actually didn't think it was justified doing that type of trial. Uh, as I mentioned, the two Greek trials were fairly small, so we thought it was important first to determine, is there actually an effect on return of spontaneous circulation, um, which we thought were the most likely mechanism that the intervention would increase return of spontaneous circulation and then hopefully increase survival and survival and favorable neurological outcome later on, but we thought it was important showing that first uh, before moving on to a very large trial, which would also be quite costly. And And my best guess was that the funding agencies would also like to see this sort of medium-sized trial before we went on to a very large trial. That makes a lot of sense.
0: And then just to explain to our audience, I think you alluded to this already, um, it's pretty obvious how vasopressin could improve return on spontaneous circulation in the short term. How does methylprednisolone do that? A lot of folks would argue that uh, steroids would expect to have a longer-term effect in looking and and would probably affect uh, um, outcomes such as mortality or neurologic outcome. How is uh, methylprednisolone going to improve uh, run, return on spontaneous circulation?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question, and it's also a question I asked myself the first time I saw the, the Greek studies. Looking into it a bit more, um, I think the traditional teachings uh, in medical schools and textbooks are that methylprednisolone has effects after perhaps two, three, four, six, twelve hours sometimes, uh, and that is because of the mechanism of action that is sort of mostly well known, where it recolates uh, elements of DNA. Uh, Obviously, I'm not a a pharmacologist, uh, but there are some animal studies that suggest that there, in addition to those long-term, or or not long-term, but effects that sort of take a while, there are some more um, instantaneously effects that occur perhaps within minutes. The evidence to support that is not very strong, but there are, as I said, some animal studies. And I think people who have worked uh, perhaps in the ICU and have given large doses of steroids uh, might agree with me that sometimes you see effects uh, much sooner than the traditional teaching. Um, so that was the main argument or the main rationale for thinking that methylprednisolone could also have an effect on return of spontaneous circulation. And then, to be completely honest, we were just trying to replicate the Greek studies. Um, so whether or not we thought there was a strong um, pharmacological rationale, we had two previous trials that had showed that this combination of treatment actually improved return of spontaneous circulation. If you look at the other trials of only vasopressin, as I said, they have mostly been performed in patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. There was no clear effect. It, It didn't improve return of spontaneous circulation in those trials. So we thought that perhaps there was some perhaps partly unknown mechanism uh, for combining these two treatments and and perhaps seeing some synergistic effect also in
0: the short term. Okay, great. Thank you for giving a really good rationale to your RCT. So let's dive into your methods. Um, What were your study methods, and how did they address any limitations of previous studies that have been done uh, in this field?
1: Yeah, so this was a fairly straightforward randomized Clinical trial. Um, so we included patients who had in hospital cardiac arrest um, at ten different hospitals in uh, Denmark. So all patients who were adult. All had a cardiac arrest within a hospital setting. Uh, we had a few uh, exclusion criteria as well, um, such as uh, pregnancy, use of extracorporeal membrane uh, circulation, uh, but those were quite rarely used. Uh, We also had the inclusion criteria that the patient needed at least one dose of uh, Adrenaline or epinephrine before they could be included and that's because the intervention timing was after the first uh, dose of adrenaline So once the patients were considered to be eligible uh, They were then randomized to either the combination of vasopressin and methylprednisolone or to placebo in the intervention group, they received 40 international units of uh, sorry, 20 international units of vasopressin and uh, 40 milligrams of methylprednisolone immediately after the first dose of adrenaline. If the patients were then still in cardiac arrest and received additional doses of adrenaline, they received additional doses of vasopressin as well for a maximum of four doses. So for a maximum of 80 international units. And of course, in the placebo group, they received Placebo for all those uh, doses. We then uh, followed patients afterwards. There were no interventions in the post cardiac arrest period. And we then followed patients for the various outcomes, which, in addition to return of spontaneous circulation, also included outcomes at 30 days and 90 days, both survival and neurological outcome and quality of life. And if you compare it to the earlier Greek studies, um, The main difference is that the earlier studies also included the use of steroids, specifically hydrocortisone, in the post-cardiac arrest period for those patients in the intervention group who were in cardiovascular shock, so the patients who needed vasopressors. Um, We decided not to include that intervention for multiple reasons, uh, one of them being that our main uh, outcome was return of spontaneous circulation, but also because we wanted to see uh, whether it was the intra-arrest part of the intervention or the post-cardic arrest uh, intervention that sort of was the main driver of the effect. It was also from a pragmatic standpoint that that would sort of complicate the trial quite a lot. Gotcha. In addition, uh, our trials had some additional centers. So it was uh, 10 centers compared to three, and it had more patients than the earlier studies combined. So that was sort
0: of the main advantage, I think, of our trial. Great. Uh, so what were your key findings and how did you interpret them? Um, So we included uh,
1: 501 uh, patients, and the primary outcome, which was return of spontaneous circulation, uh, happened in 42% of the patients in the intervention group and 33% in the placebo group. So that was an almost 10% absolute uh, difference, corresponding to a risk ratio of one30 And that finding was statistically significant with a p-value of 0.03. So the study uh, met its primary uh, endpoint and found that the combination of vasopressin and methylprednisolone increased uh, return of spontaneous circulation. However, we, of course, also looked at um, survival and favorable neurological outcome. And both at 30 days and at 90 days, Uh, There were no uh, clear differences uh, between groups. However, the confidence intervals there were wide. As I mentioned earlier, the trial was not powered for these outcomes, and we sort of could not uh, exclude that there was either potential benefit or potential harm. So for those uh, outcomes, I think the trial was inconclusive. Of course, we can exclude very large effects, but even meaningful effects cannot be excluded based on this trial data. We also looked at quality of life, which was the same between the two uh, trial arms in those patients who were alive, and we also looked at some uh, different other outcomes, such as uh, some hemodynamic uh, parameters and adverse events, and there was no clear differences in outcomes between the two groups either. So I think the main conclusion is that, yes, the combination of vasopressin and methylprednisolone does increase return of spontaneous circulation. And in that sense, our findings are aligned with those from the two previous Greek trials. However, unfortunately, there was no uh, benefit, uh, clear benefit for survival or favorable neurological outcome. And So that is not in line with the previous Greek trials. We found a quite large uh, improvement in survival and favorable neurological outcome. So my conclusion is that Based on this data, I don't think we at this stage can recommend this treatment for all patients within hospital cardiac arrest. I do think there are some interesting findings here that there are some effects, but we're still uncertain about the effect on the more patient-centered outcomes, such as survival and favorable neurological outcomes.
0: So were you able to do a sensitivity analysis um, looking at um, how fragile your results are? Um, There were some patients who were excluded in the intervention arm, eight of them, um, as well as three in the uh, placebo group. And if you were to hypothetically say that uh, all the patients who were excluded actually uh, died or had a poor outcome in the intervention group, would, would that change your outcomes at all for return of spontaneous circulation? So it's
1: uh, correct that some patients were excluded, uh, and that was uh, pre-specified in the protocol. So we did an analysis where we only included those patients who met the inclusion and exclusion criteria if those criteria were known prior to the cardiac arrest. So they were noted in the um, medical journals, for example, but the clinical cardiac arrest team uh, did not know the uh, these exclusion criteria. Since this is a double-blind uh, trial, this does not introduce any bias. So it's not like the results would be uh, systematically different from from excluding these patients. Uh, so this is an unbiased approach that actually makes the results uh, more precise because you remove some noise. Uh, we did not conduct a sensitivity analysis including these patients because we did not think it was appropriate to include these patients. That's why we had excluded them in the first place.
0: And then how did you um, interpret the fact that you didn't see a a mortality or neurologic improvement uh, with the study compared to the uh, Greek studies?
1: Yeah, that's the million dollar question. I think it's uh, very difficult to come up with one um, answer to that question. I I think there are multiple potential uh, interpretations. One is that there is no effect on survival, that that this, intervention improves return of spontaneous circulation, but that perhaps these patients already had severe uh, damage to their body, to the brain, to the heart, such that even though we got return of spontaneous circulation, they were never going to survive. That, that's one interpretation. Another interpretation, of course, is that there might be an effect on survival, that, but we were just not able to detect it in this trial. Um, And that, of course, we can't uh, say whether that is the case or not. Um, It's clear, though, that the effect on survival and neurological outcome is nowhere uh, near the one that was uh, seen in the Greek studies. Um, And why that is is a really hard question to answer. I wish I had a good answer for that. There were some differences, as I mentioned, in the intervention. We did not include postcardic steroids, whereas they did in the Greek studies. There was also some differences in time to drug delivery. In the Greek trials, the drugs were delivered very quickly, uh, three to five minutes after the cardiac arrest. They also had dedicated research personnel that sort of ran to all the cardiac arrests and administered the drugs. We thought it would be more clinically relevant and also logistically possible to have the clinical team deliver the intervention. Therefore, we also had a delay in delivery of the drug Uh, the median time to drug delivery from recognition of the cardiac arrest was uh, approximately eight minutes. Maybe there is a larger effect if it's given earlier. We don't know that. Lastly, I think there are some differences in the patient populations uh, between the trials. Specifically, uh, many more patients with a cardiac arrest in the ICU were included in the Greek trials, whereas the majority of our patients, about two-thirds, were included from normal hospital uh, medical or surgical wards. And it could be that there are some effect modification or some subgroups where this drug works and somewhere it doesn't. We were not able to detect that in our trial, but of course we were not powered for that. So I think my my conclusion is that, that all these things are, are just speculations and, and we really don't know. Uh, it's of course disappointing that we don't didn't see the same effect as they did in the Greek trials. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to know.
0: Yeah, um, I think you've given a, a really good uh, balanced overview of your findings as well as uh, some of the limitations. I do want to dig into the timing of the dosing because time is uh, heart muscle and uh, brain activity. So, how would you, if if you had to redesign the study or to, to fine tune the study? how would you be able to administer these medications um, at a much uh, sooner time? Because as you said, you know, eight minutes to uh, administration of the drug versus three minutes, that's a big difference. Uh, I mean, that's five minutes. Uh, that's a huge difference in patients who um, are undergoing cardiac arrest. How would you design your study better? Is it possible?
1: It's a good question. I, I actually don't think I would design it uh, any different. Um we spent a lot of time uh, planning the study and trying to figure out how fast we could administer the drugs We quite early on decided that we would not have um, clin- or research personnel sitting around 24 7 10 different hospitals uh, First of all that was not uh, Possible we did not have the funding to do that But we also did not think that that would be realistic that would never happen in a real-life setting it would not reflect how this drug would be administered in a real life setting. In our trial, it took uh, five minutes just to administer the first dose of uh, adrenaline or epinephrine. So, so we would never be able to sort of get it faster than that, no matter um, what we did with the actual trial medication. So, so I think it reflects that many of our patients were patients in the wards. Um, where it just takes some time before the cardiac arrest team arrives you need to do a rhythm check you need to maybe uh, get an IV, and then you have to administer the adrenaline of course perhaps we could administer the drugs then faster after the adrenaline so it was almost simultaneous we did try to get pre-filled syringes but it was not possible at least we did not find a solution for that for these drugs um In the Greek trials, they they had uh, drawn the drugs up in syringes uh, every morning uh, and then had them ready for 24 hours and then threw them out and drew up a new one if they needed it the next day. And again, we did not think that was realistic, both from a logistical funding, uh, pragmatic kind of perspective, but also that it would not reflect clinical care. Perhaps outside of a research setting, some of these things could be pre-filled However, that was not possible for us because we also needed a placebo, for example. So so there were some challenges there. Um, Perhaps in other settings, perhaps in other hospitals, they'll be able to get it down to a even faster time, but I'm actually not sure how we would be able to do that in the setting where we conducted this trial.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of challenges, and I think you've um, mentioned them uh, in great detail. So at the beginning of this podcast, uh, you alluded to the fact that, you know, Intra-hospital cardiac arrest is uh, at times a neglected uh, field of research, and you really got uh, down to, you know, addressing this question of, you know, can we give vasopressin, can we give methylprednisolone, and yet the outcomes still were rather poor. I mean, in your study, it looks like 10%, just under 10% of folks have survived. How are we going to improve outcomes for these patients? Is it possible? Um, Do we need to focus our attention more on preventing cardiac arrest? Um, You've had the opportunity to reflect on your uh, study findings. So what are your thoughts at this time?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think, first of all, it's important when, when we look at our results and our outcomes to uh clarify what the patient population is. And this is important that these are patients who had an in-hospital cardiac arrest but also received adrenaline. And and already there your prognosis is is much worse than if you take the entire in-hospital cardiac arrest population. In Denmark survival is almost thirty percent in those patients. But of course that includes a lot of patients who had a shockable rhythm and then got maybe one or two uh, defibrillation attempts, and then were out of their cardiac arrest. They woke up. They were fine. They were discharged. But as soon as you get to the point where you need adrenaline, you either have a non-shockable rhythm, or you are sort of further into the shockable algorithm. The same was seen, for example, by the Paramedic 2 trial in the out-of-hospital cardiac arrest setting, looking at uh, epinephrine or placebo. And you saw there that the outcomes was, were very poor, 2 3% survived. So it's just important when we compare the data that we understand that this is a different patient population than the, than the general in-hospital cardiac arrest population. That said, outcomes uh, are poor. And, and I think uh, ideally we would, yes, focus on uh, prevention. And I think a lot of effort is going into that, uh, sort of early detection of clinical deterioration, rapid response teams, things like that, new technology. Um, but but I think it will still be very difficult to prevent all cardiac arrests. Of course, that would be the ideal situation. I think we just need to pay more attention to these patients, uh, both from a clinical perspective, but also from a research perspective. Um, a good thing is that over the last 20 years, there's become much more focused on out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, and we can see that outcomes have improved substantially over the last 10, 20 years in in that setting, uh, perhaps mainly due to bystander intervention, such as CPR and the use of AEDs. But I think we just have to take this condition serious and and start to conduct both observational studies to better understand the patient population, but also randomized clinical trials where we test some of the interventions we already use or we test uh, new interventions to see if we can improve outcomes. Of course, An important consideration within hospital cardiac arrest is also that we need to make sure that the patients we start CPR on, the ones that we want to try to get return of spontaneous circulation, that that treatment is also aligned with the patient's uh, wishes and um, the clinical team's uh, wishes in some sense, or, or that the clinical team at least thinks that this patient has a reasonable prognosis after the cardiac arrest. So I think by having good discussions with the patients uh, prior to the cardiac arrest, uh, we can avoid uh, some situations where CPR is performed perhaps with a very, very poor prognosis or where it's not in the best interest of the patient. Um, so, so I think there are many ways where we can try to improve outcomes for these patients. But it, it first of all requires that we focus more on these patients Uh both clinically and research-wise.
0: Definitely, we all want to follow our patients' wishes. And then, so the, the European and the United States uh, didn't include the presentin and methylprednisolone uh, in the guidelines uh, prior to your randomized trial. And based on your trial results, uh, I would assume that you would agree with the, the fact that they didn't include it. Um, what studies would you recommend that we conduct in the future uh, to get to the bottom of this question um, of whether vasopressin and alone should be uh, included? Yeah, so
1: so my best guess is that it won't be recommended based on, the, on our trial, um, but I think we have just finished a meta-analysis of the three trials a patient uh, uh, level meta-analysis, and, and and there are some strong signals that there might be some benefit of this intervention. So I, I definitely think that there is justification for doing more trials in this area. Um, the simplest would be to do one uh, multinational, multi-center trial. I would think at least 2,000 patients were needed, perhaps more like 5,000 patients. That would, of course, require a lot of centers, a lot of patients to be included. If um, it was possible it might also be interested to look at some of the uh, interventions more uh, individually. So instead of the combination, perhaps do a factorial design where patients are randomized to both vasopressin and to methyl separately, such that some patients get the combination, some get only one, and some get placebo. Of course, that would require even more patients. The the really good question is whether the the next trials should include post steroids as was done in the Greek trials. And I think I'm still uh, myself undecided on that question. Some might argue that the difference between our trials, our trials is mainly the post steroids and perhaps that can explain why we didn't see a survival benefit. So so it's definitely something that should be considered in future trials in this uh, area.
0: Well, Lars, I definitely applaud uh, you and your team for conducting this work. Uh, we definitely need uh, these kind of trials to be performed. And I appreciate your honesty in uh, reflecting both your findings, the limitations, and uh, your future research endeavors. Um, I do want to give you the opportunity to uh, leave our audience with uh, some concluding remarks um, on you know, questions that you've uh, raised uh, the, during your research uh, period, um, as well as any um, uh, remarks on uh, what studies are required.
1: Yeah, so um, I think, first of all, that it's important that there's an increased focus on in-hospital cardiac arrest. Uh, I think that is something that the cardiac arrest community is starting to pick up, and I'm very happy to see that. I hope we'll see more studies and trials in this uh, area going forward. I also think it's important that we validate the findings that have perhaps only been shown in uh, smaller trials but also that we take the findings from smaller trials serious and actually sort of follow up on those findings um so i think going forward um in order to advance this field we will need larger trials we will need uh collaboration across country borders and, and it will include collaboration from multiple hospitals and clinicians so i hope that there in the future will be some collaboration where we can conduct um, more trials like this larger trials and of course also looking at other interventions in this area
0: definitely applaud you and your team and we look forward to your work in the future you take care a big thank you to dr Lars Anderson and a big thank you to all of you for listening to the breathe easy critical perspective podcast i'm dominic pepper for the American Thoracic Society.